0: and welcome to a spoiler review episode for the book of boba fett from the geek buddies <laughs> hey! well as you noticed here uh we do not have our fourth member shannon mcclung he is out from work obligation so the three of us will be handling talking about episode four or chapter four of the Book of Boba Fett, The Gathering Storm here. We're going to have some fun breaking this thing. And it's a spoiler review, so if you haven't seen the episode, go and watch it. Come on back and join us, but let's introduce ourselves. In the meantime, I am the outlaw John Rocha, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies and the Outlaw Nation. Mike? I am Michael Vogel. I'm
1: a writer and producer
0: of animated TV shows and movies. And joining us again every week, as she has for the Book of Boba Fett reviews, she's the co-host of Force Toast Pod and the co-host of The Jedi Way laura kelly how are you how are you feeling
2: i'm amazing i'm excited to talk about this one i'm uh wearing my mandalorian shirt for oh, nice. no reason no no reason at no all. reason no. no reason at all <laughs> hmm,
0: hmm. music cues unite uh yeah we're gonna get into all of that but first give a real quick shout out to the uh, people that sponsor and power what we do on the outlaw nation and what we do here specifically on the geek buddies Carbon Health. Carbon Health has been an incredible sponsor. We're into our third month of them sponsoring us. So thank you you to them very, very much. They are a company that believes that everyone deserves good health care. Go to carbonhealth.com. Get taken a look at. They do virtual care. They do uh, in-person care. There are clinics in a number of states here across the country. And if you're trying to get tested for COVID and the Omicron thing is going crazy in certain states, you should get tested. Or if you're trying to go overseas, they're now offering that kind of testing for you uh, overall. So go to CarbonHealth.com and see if there's a place there that can help you and certainly a number of people in this episode could have uh, uh, benefited from having a carbon health around specifically a rat catcher that gets uh, choked by a certain Boba Fett uh, for sure. Uh, wouldn't you say there, Mike?
1: I would listen. I uh, <laughs> Tatooine is not a safe place. So uh, I mean, I would recommend carbon health kind of expanding their reach to the <laughs> outer rim if possible, because uh, I I'm going to go out on a limb yeah. and say Moss Espa but does not have the best health care. No, uh, no, Safe for assumption. a number of
0: reasons, yeah. Uh, all right, so we're gonna break this whole thing down, get into it section by section, and do it spoiler wise. So, last spoiler warning before we get into it, Michael. Let's start with, the, like, as we like to talk about here, this is a, an overall thought. What was your overall thoughts here after you watched episode four of the Book of Boba Fett?
1: My overall thoughts are that, uh, four episodes into Book of Boba Fett, I'm starting. To be a little concerned about where we are going. I, I don't, I don't dislike anything per se, but I also feel like I don't really feel like there's a lot of momentum. Like I know where we're going. I'm getting hints of what's happening. I kind of can see where things are headed, but I kind of feel like um, the story is not gripping me. And I'm a hardcore Star Wars guy. I've talked to a lot of friends who are big Mandalorian fans, not huge Star Wars people, but really like Mandalorian. And they've expressed trouble getting into Book of Boba as much. And at first I kind of thought it was, as Laura and you and Shannon and I discussed in the past few weeks, this whole idea that people had preconceived notions of Boba Fett and that maybe those expectations weren't being met. Um, But I don't really think that's what it is. I think that it's more like, maybe it's a pacing thing maybe it's something with the way that they're building this arc for boba um i don't dislike anything that's happening it's kind of like last week where i didn't dislike the biker gang i just maybe had issues with the execution and i kind of feel like with book of boba all around book boba crawling out of the sarlacc pit hanging with the Tuskins, having a change of heart wanting to take over things all makes sense to me it's all great i think execution wise it's not really feeling like it's landing uh at this point for me so i'm curious to see where we're gonna go in the next three weeks
0: yeah laura i mean we're past the halfway point this is a seven episode series we're we just crossed the halfway point here with this episode directed by kevin tencho rowan even though imd imdb had it listed as bryce dallas howard now it's Kevin Tenchar. She's doing next week's episode. This one again from John Favreau and staff writer Noah Clore. But is Michael right? Do you sense that too, Laura? Are you sensing like, what's the motivation here? Where are we getting to? Are three episodes going to be enough to satisfy us if we're starting to feel a little stagnation here?
2: I think in terms of the motivation, I, I'm sort of in that same boat too, because the, you know the question's been raised in this episode of like, so no more bounty hunting. Well, what's next? Well, this, I guess. It's like, apparently there's no other option it's just bounty hunting or having your own house which is fine they're two perfectly valid options but yeah the motivating factor there i'm still questioning a little bit too so i wonder if maybe we'll dig into a little bit more of that Mm -hmm. um but that said yeah we're in episode four like we should i feel like we should have been pushing the story forward a little bit more right. at this point but i don't know like maybe they are like hell bent on like we're getting a season two and that's when we're gonna get into shit but for right now i'm not head over heels in love with the show but i don't think it's bad i'm right. enjoying no. it being yeah. back in the sandbox of star wars but and i also don't think it's it's getting it deserves as much criticism as it's getting i don't think um but for the most part i, I overall i'm just kind of happy to be back in star wars and i'm, I'm grateful we have something this isn't my favorite thing I've ever gotten, but I still think it's good.
1: Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I mean, I agree with Laura. Like I I see a lot of criticism on social media that I don't necessarily think is fully warranted uh, because I do think it's a good show and I think they're doing a nice job and I think they've introduced a lot of really, really cool, cool things into the world of it all. I think Laura kind of landed on something, which is, when you're building out your character arc for a season, you build out what your character wants. Like your character has to want something really badly. And so far with Boba, it's been mostly what he doesn't want. Like, I don't want to be a bounty hunter anymore. And having a desire, having a main character that doesn't want something, um, we know that he's going to take over organized crime. We know that's what he's trying to do. But one conversation around a fire pit where he just says, "Uh, the Tuskens showed me that you need a tribe. I don't want to be a bounty hunter anymore. I'm going to take over all organized crime it's it's kind of a a giant leap Mm -hmm. that uh i don't know is fully uh fully feels like it's fleshed out and i think that's where people are like so what is boba doing what does he want like we understand what he's doing but it doesn't feel like he really really needs it yet
0: yeah fair enough fair enough i mean overall i will say this i like this episode more than last week's episode i think we got back to the vibe of what i enjoyed about this and certainly we now as we suspected saw the uh him coming up on uh, fennec shan and him you know helping fennec shan so we got that story as we were leading to so maybe the flashbacks now are going to be a lesser part of the show as we go into these uh, last three episodes and more about what's happening in the city more what's happening in mos Espa, now starts to become the more central part of what we're going forward with in Boba Fett. We shall see. But let's get into it now. Uh, uh, We start out back in the back of the tank. Boba's riding a bantha across the desert. we go back into his memories here. He comes upon Jabba's palace. He sees the Nycto riders outside, the Gamorrean guards and others walking around outside its gates. He tells the bantha, not today, old girl, too many guards and heads off to go get something to eat. It's nighttime. We see him eating and he's feeding his bantha like a small pet, which is really cute. Suddenly he sees a flare. And we hear that Mandalorian music. I I haven't had a feeling like this since I've heard the Black Panther music in the MCU movies. As soon as you hear it, you're like, oh, who's showing up? So you hear the Mandalorian music uh boba rides off and he finds fennec shan in the sand certainly a connection to what happened in the first season of the mandalorian he's got fennec shan with him now riding on the bantha heads off to a local town then we head off to this uh kind of um i don't know what this place is it's a mod parlor i guess mod shop yeah a mod shop yes these other members of the cybernetic bike gang kind of like we saw or other member other people with cybernetic enhancements within them uh carries fennec shan into this mod parlor or mod shop in Moss eisley where some version of space edm or house music is playing we see a doctor performing some form of cybernetic surgery the doctor initially refuses him and says no walk-ins but boba offers a stack of money or a bag of money and he goes to work on fennec shan immediately to a montage and he heals her but why does he save her? What's the motivation here? So um, let's stop here as a first stopping point. Mike, thoughts about this opening Fennec Shan? We get to see uh, the mod shop. We get to see that this cybernetic thing is not anything they're walking away from. This is going to be a prevalent part of the Boba Fett show going forward now in these last few episodes. So what do you think about this and hearing him kind of navigating or, or uh, reconning Java's palace?
1: I mean, I think like, you know, right off the bat, you kind of get to what I'm kind of feeling about the episode, which is everything makes sense. Like, doesn't have the Tuskins anymore. Time to get back to business. Goes to where his ship is. Yeah. Realizes he can't get in there. But I think that, you know, Boba, Boba Fett, and again, maybe this is expectations that I have growing Mm -hmm. up loving Boba Fett or whatever, but it would be more interesting to see him try to get his ship. And yeah. realize there's too yeah. many people and he can't do it and give us a little bit of an action. But let's show Boba being Boba, even yeah. despite the fact that he doesn't have his armor and see it's too much for him, as opposed to him just kind of looking and being like, yeah, I'm out. Not yeah. good for me. So, I mean, I think a lot of that, that's kind of my overall feeling with a lot of the choices in the show, which is they're just sort of telling us something, but not showing us. And I would have preferred that, but we get it. The ship is there. We see that this is where we are. We know that we're caught up to everything. Um, I do kind of love the fact that between uh, his, his new baby Rancor and his Bantha and a couple other, like, Boba Fett's an animal lover. Yeah. New information about Boba <laughs> Fett. He loves his animals. And who doesn't love uh, a clone that loves his animals? Like, that's really... <laughs> who it's it's a heartwarming tale in a galaxy far far away um i did love like as soon as the flare went up coming i mean you real, to home, you're man. coming this <laughs> christmas it's like it's like marley and me except it's like i don't know what the bantha's name is makuka and me like i don't know what do you call makuka. the bantha
2: Makuka right. it is makuka um,
1: but then seeing the flare go up was really cool because if you <laughs> um, remember in Mandalorian season yep. one, uh, Din Djarin like, uh, blinded Fennec with a flare and that is what we are seeing. So it is like, in, in in addition to the music cue, which was great, it's always great. And Marvel, like you said, does this really well is when two different shows or two different universes collide. And this was when we're like, oh shit, we're caught up. Mm. Um, and we see him walk up to Fennec, we see her Then they go to the mod shop and watching the whole mod shop sequence again, It kind of harkened back to me the way I felt a week ago when we were talking (laughs) about the biker gang, which is I actually have no issue with this idea of like sort of cybernetic modifications being a part of the Star Wars universe. I mean, original Star Wars is about a Jedi that got put into a machine and became Darth Vader. Luke Skywalker lost his hand and got a cybernetic hand. So the idea of cybernetic modifications on humans makes 1000% sense in the world of Star Wars. And the idea that five years post Return of the Jedi, younger kids are just doing modifications just to enhance themselves, not because they need to, totally is valid and makes sense. Like, I love the idea. I love the idea of mod shops. I love the idea of all of it. But my only issue is this mod shop, given the costumes, the color some of the colors, the music and everything, it didn't feel like a mod shop on Tatooine. Fair. It felt more like a mod shop that maybe you would find on Coruscant. Like, and I think that it's the same issue I had with the bikes last week, which is a bunch of kids on Tatooine souping up their bikes and making them look super badass. Totally makes sense, but when you are art directing a show or when you're art directing a universe where each planet has sort of an inherent color scheme, an inherent palette, an inherent feel, inherent rules to it. There's a big difference between what a droid or a speeder bike or a mod shop looks like on Tatooine yeah. or Coruscant or Naboo or anywhere. Like there's like these worlds are distinctive to us because of the art direction that the Lucasfilm team mm-hmm. does. And I just feel like with the mod shop, I love the idea of it. I think it's all super cool. I think art direction wise, it feels a little out of place. And that's what's really throwing people, including the bikers last week. All okay, Oh, good. Yeah. But no, just but besides that, besides my complaint, yeah. I thought the whole sequence with Fennec was super cool. I loved that they used a lot of practical effects. They didn't CG it all up. Like it really felt like old Star Wars. And I thought that that was super cool. And that was a good bit of information. Like I don't think that we fully or maybe I missed it, but I don't think we fully realized how cybernetic Fennec actually was yeah. at this point. Like I think yeah. that's new information that I thought was really, really interesting.
0: Yeah, Lauren, let, let me throw something and obviously get your thoughts on this opening sequence, but also. I mean, he does this without Fennec's approval, without Fennec's, like Fennec has no agency here. Without (laughs) consent, he decides to adjust her body. Maybe she was fine dying without this stuff inside of her. I don't know. But what did you think about this decision to make it seem like it was Boba's decision to save her, which seems kind of a male thing, a male approach. I'm just going to save her regardless of whether she wants me to or not. Like, what did you think about all this?
2: He's flying in like the white knight in shining armor, uh, but except he's he's in a black robe on Tatooine. But he, you know, I really didn't give that much thought about how she, okay. you know, she didn't really consent to becoming part robot. Um, and that's, I guess there's, there's definitely some sort of philosophical question there that I, I almost wonder, you know, we've been talking this whole time about like, is Fennec going to potentially betray Boba at some point? And it's like, is that maybe the starting point? Just like, you did this to me and I didn't ask you to. Like, you should have just left me there. Um, We'll see if that conversation comes to play. I don't think it will, but it's something that could potentially come down the road.
0: Who knows? Mm -hmm. Well, what'd you think about this opening here with the the flares and the mod shop and everything? Does it feel out of place for you overall? Did you like the way this went down?
2: You know, the mod shop, I didn't mind. And I kind of think that I've been conditioned as we've been going in this show to sort of see Tatooine in a different light and I'm sort of enjoying that being along for that ride um Tatooine's never been my favorite go-to planet I was not excited about the prospect of seeing this show set entirely on a desert planet not going anywhere else um but I'm really enjoying it I love that the color that they're adding to Tatooine at this point so so but I think that you know they've been doing that very gradually throughout the show sometimes more aggressively than others but um I'm I'm kind of enjoying it actually. And I thought it, I thought it just fit fine, but that's just, that's just my opinion. I I'm in the same boat where I'm enjoying a lot of the practical effects that we're getting in this, particularly the animals that we're getting in the show. That bantha was certainly a a really good looking puppet. Um, at one point, you know, when we saw the rancor, same thing, um, I like that they're, they're bringing that component into it. Um, the fact that (laughs) she wags her tail and she burps, these are fun details that I like adding to goofy Star Wars. So I appreciate little things like that. Um, getting the callback to Mandalorian season one, episode five with those flash charges. That was really fun to see yeah. that. I did not oh. remember anything about that. I went back and had to go watch that whole sequence to be like, like, was that a ship falling down from the sky? No, the mm-hmm. the flash charges that they use to blind her scope as they were rushing towards her. Mm-hmm. That was a that was a cool effect and just nice that they tied it in so smoothly, I think, to this yeah. show. Uh, I do one thing in the in the mod shop I thought was really funny was, aren't you a little old to be here? Like, line. I'm like, oh, sick burn. So that was that was just an interesting little insight into Tatooine that this is like, I don't know, the equivalent of like a tattoo parlor, but it's really aimed at young people specifically for some reason. Like, that's just it's just an interesting detail. It's more insight into this culture of Tatooine that we haven't seen much of in the films.
0: It's
1: the, well, and I do, th- and again, this is what I like this about is the first
0: the mod section. Show. We're taking a lot of time on, you know, we're in limited time, so as as, I, there's one more section to come. All
1: right. I just wanted to add. I just wanted to add, like, what I do like about the mod, the whole mod idea, is that it is like the younger people that are doing it. Like, I love sure. this idea that it's a newer thing in the Star Wars universe that younger people are modifying themselves using cybernetic parts, using droid parts, and that the older generation
0: might be like,
1: "What are the kids doing today?" Like, I think doing something like that and making that a generational thing is actually kind of fun.
0: Yeah, it's almost yeah. meta. I mean, because they're—I mean, look, uh, Robert Rodriguez and uh, John Favreau aren't exactly not long in the tooth, so it's a little bit of meta maybe taking shots at some, themselves a little bit. All right, let's see. Fennec, uh, Fennec comes to uh, uh, there in the sand with Boba. She asks what he did to her. He explains and offers her a black melon. Bo- uh, Beba, Boba knows her. Beba, Boba knows her as Master Assassin Fennec Shand of the Midrim. They discuss her bounty, but Boba doesn't want it. He tells her who he is. And explains the Tuskins versus bikers situation, which she says could not have happened. He asks for her help in recovering the fire spray gunship. This is now officially the name of this gunship. The Slave One will not be uttered tomorrow. Morrison said that in an interview as well. So this is the name, which caused a lot of tongues wagging on social media. Uh, it's in Jabba's palace, and she says if she helps him, then her debt is paid. Cut to them riding on the banter to Jabba's palace. Fennec is surveying the entrance with the guards they're unsure of how many guards there are so fennec uses a mini probe it looks like uh that uh, probe droid that was used on leia in the first star wars movie uh boba bids goodbye to his bantha tells fennec he's going to get a ship and his armor says he wants to hid, hit hit agatra or the bloated person who betrayed him fennec says people like us don't get to decide when we can leave this pr- profession so they're having this discussion about what he wants to do next and she says people like us don't Uh, get to decide when we leave this profession the droid returns with this info there's too many guards but fennec comes up with a plan to get in there quietly they break through the bars and bars into the sewer type area under the palace we cut to a kitchen where there's some fun sequence with some droids cooking food and a rat catcher droid uh boba and fennec come through the gate uh they eventually catch this uh rat catcher droid and shut him off uh they take off and come upon a ship Two two Gamorian guards show up, and they take them out. Um, And I said, by the way, isn't this in the technological future? Isn't there a security system with cameras? Anyway, more guards come. Fennec holds them off as Boba goes into the fire spray to see if he can still fly. Fennec is holding them off as Boba gets the ship moving. Fennec boards the ship, and uh, uh, then eventually uh, Fennec fights off. More guards on the ship gets a shot in to open the gate, and out goes the fire spray from Jabba's palace. So, um laura i go to you on this one conversations about um her coming to and getting the machination she's now alive but then conversations about a debt then conversations about what she's going to do next with her life him kind of pitching the idea of not wanting to be a bounty hunter anymore and them working together to release the fire spray so what do you think about this whole section of the show here
2: i think from what we've seen of fennec shan so far in other in you know other star wars media i was sort of surprised like how easily she kind of acquiesced to this i mean he's like you know i was left on i was left for dead on the sands of tatooine like you and she's just like all right we have that in common so i'm on board and that it just seemed a little bit fast again we have seven episodes to get all this in so i I get i get that some things are gonna feel a little bit rushed inevitably um there was one thing about this section and this episode in particular that i really liked which is that it finally answered the question i've had from the beginning which is is she like tied to him against her will and working for him against her will or is she there because she wants to be and i knew we knew that he saved her And that he got her, you know, saved her basically from dying on the sands. But I just, it wasn't clear to me whether or not she was really there of her own free will. And I'm glad that they established that finally. I think it's kind of strange they waited until episode four to do it. But beyond the point, um, the conversation of him, you know, talking about, I was... You know, I, I don't want to work for these idiots who are going to get me yeah. killed. Like that's just, which is fair. Um, But, you know, he said, he talks about how the Tuscans took me in, made me part of their tribe and I was going to leave hunting behind. So it sounds like this has been brewing now for like five years. He's been thinking about this, of wanting to leave hunting. So that part of it didn't feel as rushed to me. I don't mm-hmm. think that that whole part of it lines up. But again, because there are like, it's a big galaxy. You have lots of options of things you could go do. Um, being head of a crime family is apparently the way he went to, uh, wanted to go. Uh, one other point I want to hit on this: the the animation of this LEP, this oh. rabbit droid that's yes. in the kitchen is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't I, I didn't figure out what to compare it to. Like the animation style, almost looked a little bit like. Not stop motion, but like a little bit of that in there. Laura, um,
0: Laura you're young. Harry Harryhausen is what we referenced in the first film, <laughs> first episode. This felt kind of droid Harryhausen in its approach. So I, I Got think it. that's possibly where they're getting that influence from. Clash of the Titans, the original one with Harry Hamlin, that had that same kind of vibe to some of their look as well
2: exactly yeah no this is it it was just an interesting choice that they've Mm. they've chosen to like hone in on that style specifically for this show i I don't hate it it's just interesting um when i this whole scene though with the with the rabbit droid the entire time i'm watching it boba's like chasing him around the kitchen it's a little buffoony. um you know (laughs) that he finally catches it and it kind of whines and it's ears drop and you can very much see like we're going for sad here All I could think the entire time this scene was happening is like, oh, the fanboys are going to hate this so much. I just, I can hear it now. I can see the tweets. I just, they're not going to like it. I don't mind it. I thought it was kind of funny and kind of cute, but I just... I was fully prepared to see a lot of hate towards it uh, in this scene in particular. Uh, one last thing I want to hit that when we're actually finally getting out of the the hangar with the fire spray, there's that one very cool shot of oh, the yeah. doors almost closing and F- Fennec's little smirk right before they close. And I just, I, I went back and watched it like multiple times. I was just like, that's so good. It's so good. It's perfect. There's
0: some, there's some great cinematography and framed shots in this episode for sure. I don't know this director at all, but like seeing his work in this, I thought he did a really good job with Tatooine. Real quick, Laura, before we move on to Michael, thoughts on Fire Spray versus Slave One? We're done with that.
2: Yeah, just- I just don't. I don't have an issue with it. I kind of <laughs> think Fire Spray is just a cooler name. I mean, from, from I everything that I've known from trivia, and I don't know how long it's been like this, but the the Slave One was always a Fire Spray thirty one class something ship. So I've, I, I maybe at some point that wasn't the case, but it's always been that. For as long as I've known it, so it's not really a hard transition for me. Like I think it might be for some people who've been collecting these figures for their whole life. So that's fine.
0: Fair enough, Michael. Um, Hollywood, the holiday special, antics in the kitchen. What, what are we thinking about this whole sequence? Conversations about what to do with bounty, the life of a bounty hunter, and then the fire spray situation. Thoughts on this section?
1: Well, first on the fire spray. I mean, I also am like. I get it, but, like, I I think I'd have more of an issue if it was ever actually called Slave 1 in the movies, but I don't think it ever was. I don't think it was I think it's just – and I get it. It's the name on the toy. It's in in other uh, versions of non-canonical stuff in the comics, like, we've referred to it as that. So I get that it's a change. Technically, just to be clear – uh Firespray is also the type of ship the slave one yeah. always was. It was always a Firespray 31 class patrol and attract craft attack craft. There it is. So there's the chance that he was just referring to it as like, you know, oh. it would be it would be like Han saying, Hey, go get that Corellian freighter. <laughs> um it probably isn't that it probably is that this is a fire spit a fire spray ship and we're just gonna call it the fire spray and that's how we're gonna so it but it's not like they just pulled a name out of their ass and just uh replaced it they they are calling it what the ship has always been mm-hmm. um and they're just getting rid of that name which I I understand why people are upset. I also don't really care. Like, it's like in the big scheme of things, that's like a small potatoes. I I, I, pr- I guess if they change the name of like the Millennium Falcon, I'd have mm-hmm. more of like, hey, that's the Falcon. But yeah. the slave one, I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm all right to let that go. And it doesn't bug me too much. Yeah. Um, that bugged me the least out of some of these other things that we're about to talk yes. about. <laughs> um, I do think so. I'm just really curious to see what else we get with Boba and Fennec. Like I do think that this scene, I think that, I think again, everything is just kind of easy. Yes. Uh, you know, Boba goes to Jabba's palace and says up too many guards. And then, Oh good. There's an assassin that just got killed. Let me use her to get into Jabba's palace now. And then the, the, uh, and then Fennec wakes up and she's like, what'd you do? And he's like, Oh, I saved you. on Boba Fett. And she's like, you're dead. He's like, I'm not dead. She's like, what are you going to do? He's like, I don't want to be a bounty hunter anymore. I'm going to do this. And she's like, cool. I'm in. Like to Laura's point, it just, it, it feels like it was just like, okay. And I get the whole, like, I don't need, I don't want the money on your bounty. I'm not going to turn you in. I'd rather you just help me and then we're square. Like it all makes sense. Again, anyone who's going to ding me for this, everything that happens in this episode makes perfect logical sense, but I, there's not a push and pull. There's not Fennec being like, I, you know, okay, I'll help you. And he's like, Oh, we're going into Jabba's palace. And she's like, right. Fuck you! I'm not doing Jabba's palace. That's that. I'd rather you <laughs> turn me in. I'd rather you turn me in than like mess with those guys. Like, it, it's all just a little bit too easy. Um, I did think her, her little surveil surveillance thing was super cool. Like yes. that felt like very classic Star Wars to me. Yeah. Like the cool little device going in there. That was super neat. Just going around Jabba's palace and getting a sense of sort of the uh, geography of it, which as much as I have loved Jabba's palace since I was a kid, I don't know that I ever fully thought about the geography yeah. of it. Um, so I thought that was all super cool. Um, so the kitchen, I love the kitchen sequence, except for one thing. Like I thought, uh, I thought it was great to see Evie nine two nine. He's one of my favorite old school Jedi droids. Mr. Uh you're a feisty little one. We'll put you on job at <laughs> Sale March. I'm glad to see that he's also helping out in the kitchen. Like yeah. it's like it's nice to see him uh just hanging out around the palace. And then I love the other droid. I looked it up. He is a, a COO cook droid. Um, who is basically, (laughs) like, the chef version of General Grievous with his arms. Like I was like, okay, cool. (laughs) Um, But I like them. Like, I think, again, kind of to my art direction point about the mod shop, like, these droids felt like they belonged on Tatooine. Right. Like, these felt like old, beat-up, lived-in droids. And even the Rat Catcher that came out, which is kind of more from the Clone Wars animated series, um still it felt like that fit in there and sort of the humor and the silliness of star wars with those droids was great mm-hmm. boba running around like he's trying to catch uh his puppy less great to me and again it's not that i need boba to be a straight badass who just always gets the shot and just kills everybody and is a, like i i love this idea that he loves animals i love that there's a sensitive side to boba but you're telling me that the guy bounty hunter that was known throughout the core worlds, the mid rim and the outer rim for his amazing bounty hunter skills, even out of his armor, can't catch that rat catcher droid or deal with it. I'm like, ah, so it's one of those things where it's like, I'm always down for comedy in Star Wars. I'm always down for the lighter, more kid friendly side of Star Wars. I think it's completely appropriate and a part of the universe. But it's always like a fine line of like, who do you do it with? Who's, who's mm-hmm. to Laura's point, who's the buffoon? Who's the silly one? And like, there's certain characters that you can watch do that and it's great. But with Boba, they're just, they keep going against type week after week after week yeah. in so many ways. And at a certain point, you're like, well, then who is he really?
2: He did like, get knocked into Boba the Sarlacc Fett. pit by a blind guy. i just point that out, though, real I quick. I did.
1: I did. Somebody on Twitter did point that out. They did <laughs> post that video. They're like, I love that y'all are complaining about the guy that went down like this. And then they showed the <laughs> video, and I'm like, touche. But even to that point, it's like, Boba Fett has had a. It, as popular as he is, he's had an interesting past. You know, starting in the holiday special, then becoming a badass in Empire Strikes Back, and going down like a chump in Return of the Jedi. And if you get rid of all the non-canonical stuff anymore, that's pretty much what we know aside from seeing him as a kid in Clone Wars. Right. But even as a kid in Clone Wars, he was kind of a badass. Like they, like they, they always made a point to be like, this dude's a badass. And so I think even if you're adding new colors to him. I'm super okay with him being sillier in some ways. Boba Fett having a sense of humor, like I said, Boba Fett loving animals. But I feel like we just haven't seen quite enough of the other side. The got
0: the other side of it. Yeah, yeah. I don't disagree with you, man. And I, yeah. the The, the kitchen chase scene was. I didn't mind the kitchen stuff. I didn't mind the George. It's the chase scene. That's where I was like, oh, come on, stop it. This is not the character. You do this. With. And again, for those people who don't understand nuance, it's about how you do it, not the fact that it's right. in the show i see so many people some people in my sphere fellow critics who are like oh people are just mad because there's comedy comedy's been in star wars and yes but it's how you effing do it is the difference and i didn't like the way they do this here and i also agree mike you make excellent points things are happening way too damn easily the thing that's enjoyable about star wars or about any franchise really is conflict and the conversation within the conflict and resistance to something and how you have kind of navigate that and how certain instances, certain situations lead to a person changing their mind or going along with you. And although we do get that here in the next section, which we'll get to, I think how we get here is so easy that it there's no real drama. There's no real conflict. There's no real concern here. And this is the um, issue with this thing only being seven episodes long. If we had had A couple of Fennec Shan flashback episodes or back to tank episodes, whatever, where we're going back in Fennec Shan's past and we're seeing her and what she's navigated, what she's dealt with, the near escapes. I mean, the Cad Bane stuff in uh, in Bad Batch is Mm -hmm. a great example of the near escape and how many times she came close to death and how exhausting this is for her then one look at Boba in the interaction between them by the fire can carry so much more weight that makes you understand why she says yes or why she considers this proposal a little more easily than maybe she would have if you didn't have the background of that. So I think that's where the show kind of is undercutting these two incredibly badass people and not giving us enough depth to Fennec. Because even in this, which was Fennec-centric, we don't really get Fennec being the lead dog in the situation.
1: No, and I think I mean it's a really good point you make, and I think that in in all of this stuff, it's like it's just it, it all happens so easily, yeah. and there's no there's no added uh, well th- okay you almost got out, but then this is the thing like you could have easily had uh, Fennec drop down and say that she was betraying Boba and right. Boba, and then we in the audience and everybody be like oh fuck this she's gonna betray him, and then she does that's a trick and she uses that to help them get out or something like there's different yeah. ways that you could add conflict or add surprise and still do exactly what you do. And I think they did a really good job of having a really fun dynamic, uh, escape sequence. Like, so I think again, everything was cool. Her growing up, her blowing up the gonk droid. Yeah. Great. great. Like everything was really <laughs> fun. Um, but it's just like, if there's that added extra bit of character stuff for these two characters that we now know have been around with together for a while yeah. and we really don't want to see, Hey, you want to hang out with me? Sure. Right. We want to see a push and pull. I mean, think of like Han and Leia in Empire Strikes Back being the ultimate version of this. Like yeah. we all love Han and Leia, not because we got to Empire Strikes Back and they were like, I love you. I love you too. We love them because they argued for the entire fucking movie. And so yeah. a little bit of that with Fennec and Boba, I think would have gone
0: a long way. Just like Luke and Anakin, right? He's trying to turn him the whole time during that original trilogy. It doesn't until the absolute end that he finally does it. But what keeps us watching is, will he or won't he? And the fact that this happens so quickly here is kind of frustrating. And same thing with the biker gang last episode. I mean, they just joined up. and you know, These people, you would assume, have lived a hardscrabble life and don't trust people easily. But here they are just going to join up with Boba. So just kind of a little bit of a pattern of uh, easiness in this show that's a bit uncomfortable. All right, let's move on to the next section here. Fennec says next time they stick to the plan uh, because Boba went off uh, on his own a little bit there in some of his decisions and says that she is sticking around. Boba says her debt is paid and asks where she wants to be dropped off because it's got so- scores to settle. Fennec says she's along for the ride. We cut to the Nikto biker gang riding in the desert. I almost wanted some kind of music here that was like, don't know, don't know, don't know, don't know. And then Boda a- Boba absolutely wipes them out, which is an awesome sequence. Just an awesome sequence with the fire spray, tearing them up to pieces as revenge for what happened to the Tuscan Raiders. He comes upon the Sarlacc pit looking for his armor. This surprised me that he would go back to this. But it's a great shot of Boba descending over the Sarlacc pit. Uh, he turns on the light to see in the pit. It's pretty awesome to see inside of it. Suddenly it reaches up to capture them. Boba tries to shoot them out, but the hold on Sarlacc is too strong. And it's Fennec, once again, who has to save his ass, drops a bomb into it that we'd seen before in other Star Wars, and that ends up killing it. Uh, and I said, let that be a lesson, kids. When you leave a bad situation, don't go back to it. Boba makes a joke about touching, about not uh, Fennec touching his buttons He climbs back down into it, tries to find his armor, but it isn't there. She tries to bring the philosophy here and say the armor served its purpose, and you no longer need that. You need a back to tank. Uh, And then Fennec and Boba are talking at night again. She asks if he's serious about forming his own house. Boba lays out the logic, how much money would have been saved, lives saved. He's tired of dying at the idiocy of others, which is what Laura mentioned earlier. He says he can cut her in on the money to protect her she says the tuscans have made him soft we cut to boba uh in the back to tank having flashes of him killing bib fortuna taking the throne turns off the back to tank the doords jessim again and tell him he's completely feel of uh, healed and then fedec comes in and tell him that the major domo is singing like a canary and that the mods are combing the town uh let's stop there uh, so so much here with Uh, Him uh, with the fire spray, him shooting them up uh, here, Michael, and then the stuff with the Sarlacc pit, and then eventually uh, Fennec and him kind of coming together uh, and working together to uh, become a team here. So uh, thoughts on this uh, at this point in the show?
1: Um, Yeah, I thought him taking out the Nito Biker gang was great. Like, that was a super awesome shot. It looked good. Him coming up, like, finally cutting loose on them. Like, felt good. Really liked it. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Sarlacc pit thing, I... I'm a little bit torn on because, and a lot of people have mentioned this on Twitter, so I saw it, but like, he knows he crawled out of the Sarlacc pit in his armor. Right, right. Like, and yeah. and and I completely well, buy the fact, yeah. I completely buy the fact that he uh, doesn't really remember. I am sure that's a very traumatic moment. I think you could be very confused, yeah. but I think that if that's the route you're gonna take, you need to say, I remember, I remember being in the Sarlacc and I woke up and I don't really remember how I got out of it, which also would be a little bit weird, but like he crawled out of the Sarlacc in his armor. So I don't know if he felt like he woke up and the Sarlacc had like undressed him. Like, I don't know what he's thinking, but (laughs) that being said, visually, that was awesome. Yeah, It looked amazing. Like the slave one sort of hovering over and then looking in and getting closer and looking around in there. It was super cool and then to use that sonic charge from the prequel movies that they did they, like they used it in season 2 of Mandalorian and everybody lost their goddamn minds mind because it's <laughs> such a distinctive sound yeah. and it's such a cool bomb um, and to have that be the thing that blows up the Sarlacc pit and the way you just saw the sonic charge go out underneath the sand like that was almost worth the fact that I was kind of scratching my head about duh <laughs> um, and again, like, you know, him and Fennec sort of coming together. I, again, I, I accept it all. I know that they're coming together. I think that they established how they came together. Yeah. I just feel like I want, I feel like with a little bit more conflict between them and a little bit more push and pull, we would have gotten to know more about both Boba and Fennec, which is, I think, what we're all sort of craving. Um, and it's I It's ironic,
0: ironic, Michael. They make him vulnerable in certain ways and not vulnerable in other ways, and the other ways would have helped with the conflict more. Yeah. Them. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry.
1: No. No. So, but you're no. Absolutely. And then uh, I and I did just love like once we're like now that we're caught up on flashbacks, there's no <laughs> flashbacks left, so you're healed. Yes. You're healed. The the back to tank <laughs> the back to plot device is done because we have caught up. So yeah, you're good. Which I which I did kind of enjoy.
0: Uh, Laura, thoughts on this section? We we mentioned the conversations you touched on earlier about like what he wants to do building this house. So he wants to cut her in all of this stuff, the stuff with the Sarlacc pit uh, and everything there. So what do you think about? And then her deciding that she is staying along for the ride now uh, because of their work, I guess, together uh, in, in Java's palace, getting the fire spray out of there.
2: Exactly. I love this scene where, you know, she looks o- he looks yep. over at her and he's like, "Oh, next time, so you're not leaving." Interesting. Mm-hmm. And maybe I was looking for it especially on like my rewatches, but this from here on out through the rest of this episode, I really feel like I was starting to see parts of their relationship coming together that I was really enjoying. Yeah. No there wasn't a lot of conflict or back and forth, but like just these like little smiles that Fennec kind of gives him or like the little moments where they like look at each other. I like those moments and I think that that was kind of fun. And I like the idea that we've got these two characters who have like lived this ruthless isolated existence working for idiots nearly getting each of them nearly getting killed by some buffoon in the desert who had no business getting the jump on them it happened to both of them and then they're both left dead the fact that he then saves her she gets to like save him when we get to this part with the sarlacc but i think the fact that she's the one who gets that seismic charge down there and and kills the sarlacc like she saved him from his his last monster uh from the past so i think that that was there was a really kind of beautiful sort of I don't know parallel to their relationship here that I'm I'm picking up on more as I as I go back and rewatch these things.
1: I do think though, I mean, because you know, like any character that we watch in a live action setting, there's two pieces to it. There's what's written on the page, and then there's what the actors are bringing to it. And I think what you're hitting on, which I 1,000% agree with, is these two have good chemistry and they're good actors. Yes, like Ming Na, like yes. she is. She's taking what she's given as Fennec Shan, and she is doing the Lord's work. Like she yeah. is, she is going to give you subtleties to this character, whether they exist or not. And like, I think that that's, that's sort of what's saving the whole thing. You make a really good point, which is what I'm craving. Cause like, if you really think about this logically, Fennec wakes up and Boba's sitting there and she's like, who are you? And he's like, I'm Boba Fett. And she's like, all right. He's like, I need your help going into the Jabba's palace. Well, she see, She he wouldn't have gotten into Javas Palace without her. Yeah. He can't catch the rat catcher. He barely gets his <laughs> ship out without her help. Right. Then he almost falls into a Sarlacc pit, and she's the one who has to save his ass. And then she's like, you know what? You've got the stuff. I'm sticking with you. And I'm like, are you, though? Really? <laughs> um, I would love, like, to your point, I would love it if he, you know, I want a world where he was like, yeah, you're a master assassin, but it looks like the couple people got the drop on you. And she's like, didn't you get knocked into a sail barge and fall into this? Like <laughs> like them giving each other a little bit of shit yeah. and kind of sizing each other up and then her being like – and giving him just one badass thing um, and and having her be like, okay, I got you. So I think, again – I think they're both doing a good job. I like her. I yeah. like him. I like them together. I'm on board for it. But I do feel like if this is the origin story of this relationship, uh, I feel like they missed some beats that would have really made it shine.
0: Yeah, I think you're both 100% correct on that. A little more of the ball busting, a little more of the taking the piss. I mean, they're they're equal assassins. A little more of the taking the piss out of each other would have allowed us to kind of sink deeper into this a relationship kind of like sinking into a soft couch You're like okay cool i'm good to go i'm settled in let's see what more we got with these two i'm looking forward as we go into these next three episodes what their interactions are going to be like and she comes off as an equal that's my biggest argument about this show is that They're doing Fennec Shan a bit of a disservice. They spent all this time building her up, seeing her in these separate uh, situations. She was pretty kick-ass in The Mandalorian, kick-ass in The Bad Batch, and what have you. And then she comes to this, and it's, we're not seeing the kick Yes, she's saving his ass, but it's not the kick-ass way of doing it. We'd like to see more with her kind of taking the lead, taking the initiative, doing these things. And we're not seeing enough of that aside from one sequence where she was jumping all over the buildings and caught those uh, assassins of the night wind or what have you other than that we haven't really seen much and it's almost like taking this convention where what do they call it i i I guess it's a weird like where it's like the 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 woman is certainly capable of leading the situation kind of like what you had with sabine and ezra sabine is way more qualified to lead stuff before ezra's ever qualified mara and aqua mara's more more qualified than Aquaman is, or she's just to drag him to figure things out in a way. They're kind of turning the cliche in a different way, but it's not working because she's still in service of him. She's still in essence, making sure he's the lead dog by saving his ass consistently in these situations. And it's like, ah, cause if she wasn't there, Boba is back in that sarlacc pit for the rest of his damn life, probably, Uh, you know, because he doesn't have the armor. He would have been sucked into that acid. And that's that, you know, so I think it's just a little frustrating how they're not fully letting her stand on her own two feet, be her own character and be her own power and be as equal as Boba for me, at least. I don't know. Um, all right, let's see, move on here. Bubba wants to show his face, but Ben uh, in town, but ben, again, of course, but Fennec thinks it's a bad idea because war could break out at any moment. We cut to the sanctuary where Chrysanthemum, speaking of someone who's underused in this uh, show, we cut to the sanctuary where Chrysanthemum is angrily watching some oceans winning money. This is some serious stuff that's been going on between these two uh, species for quite some time. He approaches them and kicks the crap out of them as Bubba walks in. Garza Fwip comes up, stops him as he's choking the last Trend Ocean there, says he's made his point, and then completely flower uh, lays flowers verbally uh, at his feet, talking about his time in the gladiator pit and says the times has passed and they're living in a different time and that he is above it. And just for a second, for a second, we think Chrysanthemum might be listening here and then rips off the arm of the Trandoshan as she's telling him, you have a big bar tab, and she'll wipe this debt off the books if he doesn't dismember a Trandoshan. Well, he does it anyway. Drops some coins in in a Twi'lek's hand. Bulbas says it's worth a shot, walks out, pitches Chrysanthemum to join him, uh, and offers him a job. No response one way or the other. Then we cut to Jabba's palace. There's a dinner gathering here with Fennec telling the history of the throne that since uh, since, uh, Jabba was on it, She's talking to all these captains who left when Bib Fortuna became the leader. She's pitching them, captains of their families, I mean. She's pitching them to join B- A- Boba so they can accrue their riches again. Boba tells them of the Pike Syndicate preparing for war and that he needs their help to stop him. When they threaten to kill him and asks what stops them from doing so, the baby Rancor makes an appearance of right below them. A couple of heads of the family point out that they are only challenge- that the Pikes are only challenging Boba's territory. Boba says it's fine I will fight these battles alone, but asks them to stay neutral if the Pikes approach to betray him. They discuss it amongst themselves. They say yes. We cut to them all leaving. Fennec asks if he trust them. He says his deal is better than anything the Pikes are offering. Says they need to prepare for war. She asks how many credits they have. They have plenty. She says you can get muscled if you know where to look. And we hear the Mandalorian theme music for the second time in this show. Basically hinting that din jar is coming here soon all right laura thoughts on this and that's the end of the episode so thoughts on this laura here as we talk about black chrysanthemum the tradoshans garza flip getting one scene in this whole situation boba pitching him to join and then this conversation with the head of these five families that have been out of favor in bib fortuna's uh reign and now could be in favor financially under uh boba what do you think about all this
2: well, I was very excited to see Black Rysanton back. I and this scene in particular I thought worked so well um for the evolution of how he eventually becomes Boba's ally, which we know we knew he would. Um the, the arm ripping off scene was great. I also was kind of like, he's not gonna do it. He's not he's <laughs> not gonna do it. And like the, the fact that he does it and then Garza just sighs. And it's yeah. just it's just a really funny scene. The fact that she's you know, the hit it max line is maybe one of my favorite lines in Star Wars. It's it's was just perfect um and I enjoyed getting like that monologue from her character I kind of thought that she was going to be like a bigger part of this show than she has been so far but getting that whole long scene with her I really enjoyed that so I'm hoping that we get we continue to get more of her as the show goes on um in terms of the uh the (laughs) the alien that is asking you know what prevents this group of people from killing you and just taking what we want from your throne and the rancor then chooses that moment to pop it's just perfect i mean we think like the rancor trainer was down there and he was just like that's our cue like go we've got danny trejo somewhere danny trejo just danny trejo's just
1: waiting down yep. he's like this is it let's do it let's do okay. it
2: man <laughs> that's the cue and it was perfect um but yeah saying that you know boba tells them like cooperation is going to make them all rich like we can join up and have a really good defense here and the pikes will just like Fuck off and it'll be great. (laughs) And he, in that speech tells them that he calls Tatooine his, their planet. He says our planet. And that was just one thing that sort of struck me as really interesting. The fact that we've saw this character grow up on Kamino and now he has like claimed Tatooine as like his home planet. And I really like, we're kind of skirting that theme of like found family that is so prevalent in star Wars. And so I like that they're sort of, you know, slowly bringing that into the fold in the show and i imagine as we gain more allies in the show as this as it goes on we'll start to feel even more of that which i like it, it's a great you know thing about star wars that i enjoyed when it sh- when it pops up and things like this
0: din Djarin coming or not is din Djarin coming or not oh
2: for sure i i, I think so but you know it's interesting that they had that tie-in with episode five in season one in true. this episode and then we know dave filoni is going to be directing he directed that episode five of season one true we heard the mandalorian cue. I. I don't know i'm like that feels too obvious for them to be like misleading us because like now we all now we all want it and if you don't if you don't do it like now you've got a bunch of people who are kind of already a little bit disappointed with the show now being really disappointed that you didn't bring in so i really hope for their sake that they actually go through with that
0: fair enough mike thoughts on this the uh the head of the five families wasn't quite the godfather scene that people thought this is these are excommunicated five heads of the families coming back to get communicated possibly back into Boba's uh, reign. And then of course the other stuff, what do you think of this whole ending to the show here?
1: Well, I don't know. I don't know that they're excommunicated. I, th- I mean, I think that the, uh, I think it's the Aqualish, the Trandoshans and the uh, uh I sure. believe that are the three groups of aliens. And I think that um, they're not excommunicated. They're all still running their territory. Like they're all still running their territory. I mean, not the favor.
0: End- right. I mean, it well, seemed I- like they were like, they weren't making as much money as they were, under well, Bib, that, uh, under Jabba with Bib Fortuna.
1: Maybe, but that Trandoshan was really clear. He's like, "We make lots of money from spice." And you're like, "Okay, cool, I get yeah, it. Like, you guys, you guys sell those, dr- you guys sell those drugs." So I don't think they're excommunicated, and I think their right. point is the Pikes are just going after Boba's territory. They're still making money, and as long as the Pikes are like doing whatever, Ooh. selling the spice and doing whatever, I think they're still getting whatever money they're getting maybe it's not as as good as it was under java but they're still doing okay which is why they're kind of like why would we help you like if they were straight up excommunicated and weren't making anything then i think they'd be more likely to just instantly join up with boba and be like yeah then we'll help you and like let's take Tatooine back but i think they're kind of like we could the pipes could take you out and we'll still do business with them um, so I think that's where they're at. I do think the whole sanctuary scene um, was maybe my favorite scene. I loved everything yeah. about it. I did have a lot of people asking. There was a lot of non-Star Wars people that were confused as to why uh, Black Crescenton was so uh, was so mad at the Trandoshans. And I was like, look... The first ocean we saw in the show showed up with a Wookiee pelt for Boba Fett. Yeah. Like, it's pretty... The, they, they, these two don't get along. This goes back um, centuries, yeah. <laughs> but I do think that, uh, like, Garsteth Whip I thought was great. I thought it was so cool to see her sort of talk him down, to see how she kind of rolls in the sanctuary, how she kind of runs business. And to Laura's point, I thought when he did finally just rip off that Trandoshan's arm, which will grow back because he's a Trandoshan. But when he finally did rip off that arm, her just sort of like, all right, fuck it. I tried, like was (laughs) just perfect. Like I I do hope we see more of her. I do think Sanctuary works really great. It's it's, again, just to get back to that whole art direction um, discussion, Sanctuary is way nicer than anything we've ever seen on Tatooine before, Um, but it feels like it fits in Tatooine more to me. Like, it feels like it totally belongs. Hit it max was perfect. So, like, all of that was really great. And, like, yeah, Black Corsanton, like, I just want to see more of him. He's just a straight badass. So I really hope that we get some more, not just seeing him fight and be a badass, but some more quiet moments, too, because I think he's, like, a really – like, of all of the – Wookiee additions we've had post Chewbacca, including the holiday special. He's probably the coolest Wookiee we've gotten aside from Chewie. I mean, I like, he's oh, yeah. he's a Wookiee. I'm I'm really down to see more happen with.
0: Um, Although you're not reading the high Republic book, which Laura would probably counter here. And just to say,
2: <laughs> I would, I mean, I would include Boriaga, but we haven't seen him on screen. So that's why yeah.
0: I am reading the High Republic books and
1: Buriaga is right up there, but I haven't seen him. I just read about him. But yes, the, the badass, uh, the badass yet sensitive Wookiee Jedi of a hundred years prior to the prequels is a very cool Wookiee indeed. Um, but yeah, so I thought the whole the whole meeting was good. Um, again, just could have used more. Could have used more conflict. Could have used more debate. Could have used more Boba Fett being like, I'm fucking Boba Fett, y'all. So I just yeah. think that there's there's just a little bit of um, everything. It, it feels like they're holding back for some reason. Mm. And you just want to see more. And you want to see more. And it just feels like they keep, they're constantly keeping Boba in reserve for some reason. And maybe they're going to bring it all together. I will say, look... When we all watch mandalorian season one like we all love mandalorian we we enjoyed season one we love season two but about this point of mandalorian where you got the bryce dallas howard like attack attack in the small fishing village episode followed by the prison break episode and everyone was like where is this show going It just feels like it's a bunch of standalone things and Din Djarin is just hopping around with Grogu and I don't really, I don't know what's happening. And then you got to those last two episodes where they brought everything together and it just was perfection. So they could still pull this off. Like they could still, we could still say, okay, it kind of felt like it was meandering a little bit. They were holding Boba in reserve. We didn't really get to see Fennec be badass. And these next three episodes, they could just like wipe the floor with us and we'll be like, oh, that's why they did it the way they did it. So i am still enjoying it i'm curious to see where it goes but i definitely each episode except for the second episode i'm always left like a little bit wanting more
0: yeah my only concern is that i I don't understand why bo would be like well if you're not gonna help me, could you just not help them is that cool could you just not that seemed like not although i get it by the political side of things it might have i don't know might have made sense and may been logical But it wasn't an active choice. And I think, you know, that's the thing that kind of bothered me a little bit. I would like Boba to have been a little more like, don't you understand what like what can happen here? Just think about a little bit more, more than just like, hey, just don't turn on me, just don't betray me, which of course is like you know, the second they're they're they've survived by betraying who they need to betray in order to stay alive, in order to keep their entire Uh, family alive and thriving as much as possible. So no agreement over wine with a guy like Boba, who just got to the job like a week ago is going to make that much of a difference to them. So it seemed like a weird choice to put in um, uh, writing wise, I guess I would say overall, I just felt like there should have been something a little more active. I would have liked something a little more active, especially if you're going to threaten with a baby rancor. something a little more active would have been good for me my thoughts are overall on that so all right well that's the end of this episode we're going to jump into episode five obviously next week and see what we're going to get is Din Djarin coming next week or the week after? We don't know. This is called The Gathering Storm. So it, it, the storm hasn't gathered quite yet. So maybe it's there's gathering. a little- It's Gathering, exactly. So maybe there's a little more uh, in episode five. And then we get Din Djarin coming in episode six and seven, possibly for the finale with Black Crescenton and everybody else that Patton Oswald has talked about probably, sh- probably showing up. So we shall see. Um, <laughs> Laura Kelly, thanks so much for joining us yet again for an awesome spoiler review episode. Please let people know where they can find you.
2: Sure. Come find me on Twitter at Shut up underscore Laura. Uh, and John and I host a show with Jedi Way right here on his YouTube channel. I host a show with my friend Alice called The Force Toast Pod. Uh, you can find that on all major podcast platforms.
0: What's the most recent episode? What are you guys talking about? Is it coming up, or did it just happen? You're forced. To-
2: uh, we, it came out, and we talked about episodes two and three of, of Mandalorian, or I'm sorry, of Boba Fett. For the most part, uh, the next episode we're planning to talk about the Fallen Star and the High Republic, and I'm Ooh. very much looking forward to that. That's right.
0: That's good stuff, uh, Mikey. What do we have to tell him?
1: Uh, look, if you would like to continue listening to us talk about a bunch of nerdy stuff, here is how you can help us make that happen. Um, you can hit the like button below, 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 like button. Uh, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page over here and check out all the awesome content he has, including the Jedi Way with Laura. Um, leave your comments below. Like, a lot of opinions in this episode. Like, do you agree, do you disagree? Are you loving Boba? Are you feeling a little left wanting? What do you think about some of this stuff? Where do you think it's gonna go? Like, how are you, how is this stacking up for you against all the other Star Wars content that's out there. We actually really want to know what you guys think. We love hearing back from you guys on all of that. Um, If you're listening to us on um, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere where podcasts are available, uh, leave us some stars, leave us some comments. It helps us go up in the rankings so other people can find us. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, and tell everybody that if they want all the geek news that is fit to print, this is the
0: place to find it. Here are the Geek Buddies. And by fit to print, he means fit to print online. Nobody buys papers anymore uh follow- prints
1: on your hearts oh
0: good well done well done follow michael at mk tune and of course right above laura and michael's head you see our instagram and our twitter uh, handles for you to follow us there as well follow me at the roca says on twitter and on instagram and tiktok i'm starting to walk into that quagmire and oh, see god. what's there as well god help us TikTok's all tiktok's never going to be the same nope i'm going to do a peacemaker dance every day uh all of that happening <laughs> and please uh, uh please as michael said let people know about what what we're doing here and uh, have some fun with us as well as we come back next week for another brand new spoiler review episode from the Book of Boba Fett. Here from the Geek
2: Buddies. <gasps> hey!